Hello and welcome to the O&M Stockroom. We're your hosts, Brian McGarry. And Ken O'Malley. Tonight is episode 32 of Complimentary Cinema. If you're new to the channel, Complimentary Cinema is a program where we review and discuss films that you can watch for free that are available on YouTube. Please be warned, we discuss these films in detail. So consider this a full spoiler alert. So, uh, Ken, it was uh, your turn to uh, pick this evening. Unfortunately. As it goes. And uh, what did we pick tonight? Well, tonight's film was called The Dawn. It was from uh, 2019. And who directed this wonderful film? It was directed by that one guy with the stuff and the things known as Brandon Slaggle. Okay. Slaggle? Slaggle? S-L-A-G-L-E. It's probably Slaggle, but we'll call him Slaggle. Slaggle. All right. So, uh, we like to uh, hold up these free YouTube movies against three primary criteria. We ask, is it well-written? Is it well-acted? And uh, is it well-produced? Let's find out. So, uh, what's our cast of characters like today? Uh, it looks like a bunch of people you've never seen in anything and will most likely never see again. Uh, <laughs> our main character is Devani Pin as Rose. Uh, her, her best buddy is Stacy Dash. Who was in Clueless with uh, Alicia Silverstone. She's the one person I can confidently say I saw in something. Okay. She's Sister Ella. There's uh, Ryan Kaiser, who is Jeremiah. David Gorel as Father Theodore. Heather Winters as Reverend Mother Agnes. And, uh, yeah, then the, there's the, the family from the beginning scene. Let's talk about that beginning scene. Yes. So the movie starts out in Pennsylvania, as they let us know right up front. In 1922. 1922. Um, and a family kind of on a look rural looking house. They're a bunch of farmers. And uh, they have like a, a, a nice water wheel. Um, it's worth noting. By 1922, I don't know if West Pennsylvania looked a lot like it does here. They may have been a little confused. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, a lot of Western Pennsylvania is still pretty rural. And keep in mind that a lot of the uh, U.S. was not even electrified by 1922. I guess that's so true. It all fits. Okay. But you don't necessarily have to tell us it's 1922. We can kind of just piece it together on our own, you yeah. know? So they're in this beautiful old house, uh, beautiful old buildings with like, you know, old utensils and like everything looks great everything's period correct all their clothes and uh i i I even said something to the effect of they're in a reenactment town like this looks like you know you just walked into this little reenactment town amusement park looks beautiful and uh it's it's a family the dad's a little off and uh, the little girl is our protagonist, who is supposed to be the oldest daughter. And she has a grandfather who's like Native American and like teaching her things. So the grandfather 
gives her a pile of black, black soil and explains to her, uh, I, I don't remember exactly what he was talking about, but she was confused about the dirt. He was saying about how the dirt was amazing. And he gives her what kind of looks like a small dream catcher, which he says will protect her. And he witnessed it save his own father's life. Uh, totally not telegraphing anything or anything. And then uh, shortly after that, we see the, the alleged father of this family, a very suspiciously young looking man who is basically just hammering at a bunch of uh, broken wood, which we find out later is supposed to be a mailbox. And uh, he gets called in for supper. They sit down and it's incredibly tense. It's incredibly awkward. It's a clearly religious family, Catholic, judging by the uh, the sign of sign of the cross that they make. But father won't eat. Yeah, he, he has a little bout of PTSD at the table. He's he's got that World War One flashback going. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't go well. At that point, he leaves the table, and uh, we 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 cut forward to sleeping. Yeah, so like he he demands to just let be bled out, and then he storms up from the table, and everyone just pretends. Like, uh, you know, like they can get through it. And then, yeah, so later that night, he wakes up from what appears to be a nightmare and he grabs his trusty hammer, which he brought to the dinner table earlier in the day. And then he goes around and just bashes everyone's head in. Yeah. So he, he kills the whole family. But uh, the, the oldest daughter has woken up and she she escapes outside. Um, But then comes across her dad outside uh, after he's done killing everyone else. And uh, it's only her grandfather who is there to save her. So she's able to run away for good. And he doesn't last long either. No. And, you know, skip ahead the next morning. Uh, some really goofy looking police and, and bell-shaped hats are uh, checking out the uh, the crime scene and they realize the eldest daughter Rose is still alive. They go talk to her. And to keep her from going to an orphanage, they send her to a convent a couple of states over. They, they'll tell you exactly where the film begins, Pennsylvania, 1922. But you never find out where the convent is. Yeah, it's just somewhere else. That's what I call uneven. But beside the point, so she goes to the convent and then boom, 10 years flash by and She's dressed in a in a habit and uh, nun clothing. I'm not sure what you would call the entire uh, ensemble of a nun, but she looks the part. But with kind of like that moody, vaguely goth thing going. Mm-hmm. So a whole bunch of really boring stuff happens, in which we see her everyday life. Uh, she talks with her other the other nuns that are there. You know, we learned that she has not taken her final vows, so she's still um, not like 100% sure, I guess, if this is what she's going to do with her life. But uh, she's like learning from the other nuns and the, the, the mother nun that's in charge. And uh, the priest comes and like blesses them and, and does the sacraments and those things. Um, and yeah, a lot of the, this middle part of the movie is just like talking and their life and... It, it, there's a lot of talking. There is... She has dreams. 
she's worried about uh she doesn't know what they mean but like she's worried about like her father had like there was something wrong with him and maybe there's something wrong with her her father had visions her father had nightmares and she's starting to have visions and nightmares as well and they uh grow with intensity over the course of the film and she goes to convention uh, convention she goes to confession multiple times and Feels that uh, Father Theodore, I believe, is the only one that she can really trust. She can't really talk to the Reverend Mother. She can't really talk to the other nuns in the convent. Uh, There's also another skeezy-looking priest or deacon or what have you. They never really quite define his role there. He's he's like the assistant. Jeremiah, they call him. He just... He's just a very unfortunate-looking young man with uh, longish hair and... He just kind of pops in and out. So, What it boils down to, Ken, is this is a film about talking. <laughs> and it's a film about... There's a lot of tension early on, and it just dissipates throughout the film as things get more and more cliched. And eventually, it just turns into a very, a very basic exorcism film. Mm-hmm. And it just, it completely devolves in the, in the, the last third of the film. They had some interesting ideas through the middle. Uh, like you kind of, you find out that uh, the kind of the nightmare she's been having, like you see a couple like flash, you know, flashes of things that end up being the exorcism in mm-hmm. the end. That's what she's been like dreaming about. Um, and obviously there's the signs leading up to it and stuff like that, but. Nothing in there is too interesting. I mean, if you've seen an exorcism movie. I mean, it's, it's not like if you've seen one exorcism movie, you've seen them all. But I've seen good exorcism movies. And, um, well, those were done a little bit differently, weren't they? Yes. So, uh, part of my issue with this film is it kind of telegraphs things way in advance the pace of the film absolutely falls apart after the opening act. The opening act is very promising. It is very interesting. It's like, all right, you know, crazy dad kills family. What's going to become of this young woman? Okay. I was interested in seeing that story. I was interested in learning what happened. I was not interested in just watching some people walk around a building for an hour and a half, which is really all we get. Yeah. For all the money they spent on costumes and good cameras and lighting and even picking some great sets, I feel like they didn't really do much with it mm-hmm. because the the story doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, all of this film, you say, you mention it, you know, it, it looks really good. It looks like it's more, It's it should be something more. Everything is shot on location. As far as I can tell, there was no sets. Like, it's not like they're on a soundstage somewhere. Everything is literally in buildings that already exist. It does appear that way. I don't know if the the parts that were supposed to be a convent were just an old building. Obviously, there's parts in a church. That's a real church. There's the the homestead kind of place at the beginning. And all of that was great. Looked great. The costumes were top-notch. Nothing looked, uh, you know, all the religious people looked accurate. Um I will say it had a bit of the, um, even when it looked good, it had a little bit of the TV movie 
vibe to it. A little bit. But that wasn't uh, anywhere near as unforgivable as the uh, the Twitch camera thing. Mm-hmm. The very 90s, uh, you know, flailing arms and jump cut kind of thing. They, they really went overboard with that in the end. Too. Yeah. It just kept going and going and going. So I, it's hard to break down exactly where they went wrong with this movie. Um, I feel like the... I feel like even though we got a whole bunch of talking, a whole bunch of walking around and standing around and talking, I still don't understand the significance of the Native American, not even ritual, but just like... The little talisman that her grandfather gave her. Right, the talisman. Yeah, they, they, the, the reason you, the reason you, we never really found out is because they never really did anything with that. It was just a prop that she used in a couple of uh, scenes to be used against her later. But like, to me, the interesting story would have been about the story should have been about paganism and whatever versus the, the this faith she's grown up in all of her life. And like the, her roots versus her, her future, her that, upbringing. That would have been a very interesting film, but that's not what we got. And that's what I was expecting when I was like, I'm like, I know the grandpa's like that whole thing's going to come back later. They really, they really made that out. Like, okay, this is really important. Pay attention to this. And they revisit it later at the very end. And not just as as a throw on everything's already going to hell at that point before she, before that even comes back into play. And it, it doesn't actually end up bearing any real significance to this story. No. The problem with this film is they they started with something interesting and then they made a film that's already been made mm-hmm. and better by other people, which I think we that's a critique that we've had a few times over the course of this channel. Somebody already made a much better exorcism film. They've done a few of them. I've seen better, scarier, more interesting nun movies. What was that? Conjuring 2? Yeah. The Nun? Also in that universe? See, I think... I kept waiting for a twist too. Like I think this would have been a really easy movie to have the twist. It, I, they set it up for it, didn't they? I thought of like, you know, th- there could have been a twist that it was the daughter that did it, and she remembered everything wrong. You know what I'm saying? And yep, they, they were keeping an eye on her from when she was a child because she was a murderer. That's also a possibility. And and then the fact that because that that's the other thing too. So they set it up for twists, and the only twist seems to be. That she never really was a nun and that she was hallucinating all of that. But they don't really answer that completely either. It's it's just a line that someone says. There's a lot uh, more of that, more of that, you know, we're going to tell you and not show you. There, there's a lot of scenes in this film because of her delusions and her dreams that are hard to figure out, you know, what's re- what's real, what isn't. And they really sell the scenes of her as an as you know a potential nun with other sisters. They sell that really, really hard. And then when you get to the exorcism point, they really make it like that was just a throwaway fantasy that was in her head. And and the thing is, like, if that's true, if that was just a throwaway fantasy, we spent so much time on all that. If it just didn't matter, why? If it didn't matter, why? Why? <laughs> It didn't further the story along, you know. It didn't. It didn't do anything other than to pat to fill in time. And 
I normally try to avoid ruining the movie completely when we do this, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it. They during her exorcism scene, she's in a room that has Amityville horror style windows in the background. And then at the very end, one of the priests involved in her exorcism hops a train to Long Island and he's looking through her little notebook and finds a very a little too accurately done drawing of the Amityville horror house. And then at the end in the credits, you know, the movie's called the Dawn and then they fade in Amityville. So it's the Amityville Dawn. Like they're trying to set it up for a sequel. I got angry. I I literally got angry at that. And I'm still angry at that. Why you can't make a film that will stand on its own. That has its own interesting story. You have to, you have to ham fist it into something else. Well, and after all of the just dialogue in this movie, instead of setting it up in a proper way, they literally just show the priest going on a train, and then they have a couple sentences that just come up on the screen to fill in all of this, all of the actual details of how this would be related to that. They they could have done so much more. Okay, okay, so if that was the direction they wanted to go in from the start, which you have to assume. That's how they sold this to whoever financed it. Why not give us a little more throughout the film that actually goes in that direction? And they're trying to use, uh, you know, like this poor girl's grandfather's little dream catcher to insinuate that Jeremiah, this priest, took it there and started a weird church. And I, I mean, it's so far fetched and it's such bullshit and it, I just couldn't. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. It's it, like a solid hour of this movie is just not important to the supposed plot. And this is a 90 minute film, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You can literally throw the, the an hour of this away. And th- this is what kills me because that, that first opening bit is great. Yeah. It was a good it's, setup. It was paced well. It's set up well. You're introducing some characters to us. Um, you know, you got a great, I don't know. I just, I was going to watch that movie and I was, I was really getting my hopes up for that movie. But what did I say before we put this on, Ken? Uh, I don't remember. So I talked about how a couple weeks ago we watched a really good movie. And then last week's movie was, eh, it was okay. And that we were due for a bad film. And I was actually kind of excited for it because I do like the the some I do like the bad film sometimes, but this is not the kind of bad film I like, Ken. Right. The the good kind of bad film is the kind you can laugh at and kind of enjoy in spite of itself. I mean, you know, or even because it's so bad, it's enjoyable. This is not that film. No, this was like you couldn't laugh at it because you were waiting for something like the not even just a twist, but like a turn in the plot. Not even a twist, just like a we're not going to go straight down this corridor the whole time. I, so like you, it wasn't that even that all that stuff was bad in the middle, the boring parts and everything. It wasn't bad. It, I mean, it was people talking to each other and, and it was the part of like setting up how like they're li- living their life and how they're all related to each other. That was all fine. If it was that going was great, somewhere, but it went nowhere. You like, they invest you in these characters you're investing your time, you're investing a little bit of your emotions, you're investing your attention, and you want to see some fruits of that investment. You want to see something happen with this priest. You want to see something happen with our, our protagonist. Right. You want these, these 
you know, especially with uh, one sister in particular, Sister Ella, I think, played by Stacy Dash. They immediately set up that they have a, a strong but kind of tense bond. What happens with that? Absolutely nothing. All right. They really set up the Reverend Mother to really be this uh, illuminating source of comfort and refuge for her. And what do they do with that? They turn that around and then they throw it away. Nothing in this film leads anywhere. It's a completely, it's directionless slop, but the momentum of it carries you along long enough to think that it is going to go somewhere. Yeah. Only for you to find out at the end that no, you just got completely screwed. Like most of, most of the time when you're in a bad movie, you recognize it and then you can be like, oh, well, this isn't going to get better. Like we, you know, you, you can make some jokes. You can, you know, kind of enjoy yourself a little. I couldn't enjoy myself in this movie because we never got anywhere. The first, the first third I was, I was, I was sold on it. I was, I was there. I was with it. The middle third really lost me and I was thinking to myself, you know, they'll bring it back in the end. And instead, the last, the last, that last act, they just threw it away. So, you, we've been watching movies for a long time. I mean, even just before this podcast, six years. Have you ever known me to fall asleep in a movie? No, never can. I almost fell asleep in this movie today. Like in the middle, the middle chunk of the movie. When, I closed my eyes for a couple seconds and opened them out. A couple was like, oh my gosh, I'm actually falling asleep. Right when you should really be the most keen for what's going on, you're just, yeah, tuned out. And that's a bad sign. And that's really where it was losing me, too, was in the middle. Right at the meat of of what's supposed to be happening in this film and the meat of the story, and it's just not going anywhere. It felt like it was going in circles. I mean, how many times did we see her have the same kind of visions? Yeah. Kind of I mean, the, the they, spiral. Even, they even used the same, uh, the same imagery. The same, the same sequences. They just kept chopping up and just using slightly, you know, a little bit different. It, it just. <sighs> so I think, I think the main thing in this movie is you have to go one way or the other. As far as there has to be something that was happening all along that gets revealed at the end. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, she was actually corrupting the people around her the whole time until the end where, okay, everyone else is in on it or the opposite of. Some, someone else was corrupting her the whole time. You don't realize till the end. No. And I, I'm still not even sure what I saw. Was she, <laughs> was she possessed? Was, was her father truly possessed? We'll never know. Oh, and I, and let's talk about during her exorcism, the scene where she magically is back at that dinner table with her father. Oh God. Who, you know, looked like he was 20 years old and the daughter at the time looks like about 18 that's a whole other whole other gripe I have is they badly, badly miscast the father. Yeah. Not that he's a bad actor, but he looks like a kid out of high school. They needed to cast someone who looked like a like forty year old alcoholic. Or just somebody who'd been through World War One and had been alive long enough to marry a much older looking woman and have four kids with her. Or three or however many. Yeah. I guess three kids. You, you get my drift. It's yeah. just that should have been the first big clue is that they overlooked a super, super big detail. They even could have just they could have just put in a little bit of gray in his temples or something. Just something to sell it of like, no, this guy isn't actually a kid. That'd have been nice. 
it's like I could overlook some things in the beginning. There's something that I wasn't 100% on board with, but I was like, well, this is fine, you know? And then it just wasn't fine. Man, let's put that on the uh, the, the Blu-ray cover, huh? <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Let's, let's review our three primary criteria. I mean, I think we already know the answer to this one. Yeah. Uh, Ken, was this film well-written? It was not well-written. This was not well-written. This was written by someone who had a bunch of thoughts about uh, so, uh, maybe about religion or life philosophy or, or I don't know, like something. And they weren't able to communicate that in the film. A bunch of people talked, and yet we don't know what this movie was really about as far as like what... What was, the, what was the point they were trying to get across to me? I was on board to hear what they had to say. They didn't have anything to say. Right. Was this film well acted? It was okay acted. I, I wouldn't would, say that anyone did terrible. I would say that that is the strong suit of this film, is that it is pretty well acted. I'm, I was convinced by quite a few people's uh, portrayals in this film. The people don't stand out, uh, which... I think is a good thing for a movie like this with people that are in a convent. Like, you really have the ensemble cast thing going. You only really see the protagonist the most. Everyone else gets fairly equal uh, screen time. Uh, to some extent, the same rough amount of dialogue. So a lot of them don't necessarily rise out above one another, but that that does work for this film in that regard. So I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a pass on the acting. I think it was pretty well acted. And the the lead protagonist, Devani Penn, mm-hmm. you know, she wasn't bad at all. With what they had to work with, they did fine. Yeah, she was. She did. Uh, she showed enough range. You know, she she sold me on her character. Mm. I'll give her that. Now, was this film well produced? Uh, part of it was. Part of it was. The, the locations were well-sourced, uh, pretty well-filmed, I would say. They showed a lot of the highlights. Um, the way they showed things was pretty good. Reasonably financed. Uh, they got some you know decent music for it. You know, reasonable editing for most of it. Uh, so, I mean, I'd give it a pass on that. The problem, I think, was the supernatural aspect of it felt completely flat. Oh, absolutely. So there was nothing in this movie that looked supernatural. Uh, the black creepy hand in one scene where our protagonist is looking at herself in a mirror. There's a black hand kind of creeping towards her. That was nicely done. That's all you get. It's the most supernatural thing that happens is she writhes around on a bed. That really is. And I, I'm just saying, writhing around on a bed... Can be a supernatural experience. It was not in this film. Yeah. I guess I should have known too in the beginning when like there was no, no good effects like that in the beginning part either. Yeah. You don't even really need them in the beginning. I mean, that's something that you could really like build up to, but, and, but they never build up to it and but, they never. But here's what I'm saying though. If the story really is about her worrying about taking after her father and like all this stuff. They should have showed, I mean, they showed, they gave him a, a real life reason yeah. for what he did. You know yeah, what I'm so saying? You never see him tormented by demons. No. He, he was in the war and he, you know, his brain just malfunctioned, basically. Um, 
but like they don't they don't make a connection between the two really they really don't and the connection is tenuous at best and it's only told to you later on and you never get any sense or feeling that what happened to her father was supernatural you never you've never you've never shown or explained that something was passed to her either so you, you never really know i mean was she mentally ill who knows who cares at this point right so i think for me this film was just a hard pass yeah it's a hard pass it i'm angry because they put in enough effort to make it a good film and they didn't follow through cuz the way it looks is fine the people that are in it are fine the basic story is fine and they completely flushed it down the toilet. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to tell a really human story, like with a lot of people and just a, a supernatural, just sprinkle on it. Yeah. Do that. That, that, that script's got to be tight. Yeah. Like it's got to be good. Yeah. You can do it and I'll watch it and I'll love it, but, but go all out, make it, make it work. Give the people reasons to do things and reasons to be where they are and what they're doing. Just put the work in. To make it worth watching. Make it all point towards something. Because nothing pointed towards one thing. So that's why we got confused as far as like, what really is the point? Like, what's what am I supposed to take from this? Ken, this film did point to a couple things. It pointed to the kitchen and to the bathroom. <laughs> okay. Did it point to the Lord? <laughs> That's a wrap for tonight's episode here at the O&M Stockroom. We are your hosts, Brian McGarry. And Ken O'Malley. If you enjoyed this segment of Complimentary Cinema, more episodes can be found at omstockroom.com, along with links to our Patreon page and various streaming outlets. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time with an all-new episode. Praise be. Praise <laughs> be.